another edition of Sound in La Liga. Apologies on the delay, but with gremlins attacking us on Monday. Well, what a weekend of La Liga football. We had, of course, the biggest and the greatest game in world football. It was an absolute exhibition of football in its purest form. 90 minutes of a football fan's life spent with its extramarital lover. We were basically told, I love you and fuck you more times than most couples experience in a 20-year marriage. It was fantastic. However, that's not as big as what I'm going to tell you. Dan, I'm just going to come straight to you, Chief. Today, tonight, Mercurial, the legendary, Mascherano, Scott. And I witnessed it. Oh, didn't we all? (laughs) It was what, what a fucking panel. Well, that just makes it so much better how well he dispatched it because it was just... Sirico was a really good keeper and he had no chance with it. No chance whatsoever. To see how many times we've seen Messi, Neymar, Suarez miss recently and there's been doubts about who should take the penalties. Mascherano yeah. steps up, just puts that one into, into net, no stopping whatsoever. Absolutely brilliant. And obviously, there's a possibility he'd be leaving in the summer. And seven years at the club, he's been an absolute fantastic servant, an amazing footballer, in my opinion. Just the fact that he's got that goal. I think that goal is more memorable than Messi's 500 goal, in my opinion. Every single Barcelona fan has been waiting for that day. Just waiting and waiting. Maybe it's a player who reportedly took a pay cut to come to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And... It puts everything in every single game. Whether you think that it should have been playing or not, or if it's past his time or not, he always puts in 100%. And it was such a good moment to see him be given the ball. Looked like Rakitic were going to take it, or should I say wanted it. But Mascherano got the ball and... History just, was made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> history, history was made, it was. I didn't write the night DVDs in that moment. Well, enough of the loving of... Mascherano, I'm going to throw out the results of the weekend and the more recent results. On last Friday with Sevilla beating Granada 2-0, Malaga beating Valencia 2-0, Villarreal beating Leganes 2-1, Osasuna and Sporting drawing 2-0. In the Tin Pot Clasico, we had Atleti beating Espanyol 1-0 away, Real Sociedad beat Deportivo 1-0, Real Betis beat Celta Vigo 1-0 away, Las Palmas and Alaves was a draw. With Abar nil, Athletic won. It was a cracking game of football, in my opinion. We had, obviously, the Clasico, Barcelona beating Real Madrid 3-2 away. And the more recent results have been Sporting drawing 1-0 with Espanyol. Malaga beating Granada 2-0, in my opinion, was the worst football and display I've seen in recent memory from Granada or any team. They were... Pure and utter shy. We had Villarreal basically doing an Atleti on Atletico, beating them 1-0. This evening, we had Barcelona thrashing Osasuna and basically relegating them down 7-1. Leganes beating Las Palmas 3-0. Las Palmas just cannot step foot off their island. La Real beating Valencia 3-2 away, which appeared to be a cracker. And at the moment, as we're recording, Real Madrid are beating Deportivo but before we go on, along with Jack and Dan, the regs, we have a new guest. We've Mike Coley, who is a Madrista. We actually found one to 
come on to the show. Mike, how are you doing, Chief? Oh, it's great to be on, to be honest. It's great to be here with everyone, but uh, the result wasn't too great in the end. As I say, it's, it's, it's brilliant that you're on because every now and again we get labelled as being a bit biased, but it's, it's incredibly hard to find a Ramdrit supporter from A, the Northern Hemisphere, and B, the Western world, and C, somebody speaks English. So, listen, <laughs> cheers for coming on, Chief. <laughs> no worries. Well, look, before we get to the Classico, I want to actually hit Jack. Um, Jack, we seen last night, basically, Atletico being Atletics. It was a it was a brilliant game of football, more so from the defensive point of view from Villarreal. Yeah, um, unfortunately so. Uh, Villarreal at times this season under Franes Ribar have come under a lot of criticism, particularly for their away performances. Um, there's been a lot said in the local press of um, the way Escobar sets out his teams and the style of football he expects in comparison to the, the really swift and precise counter-attacking unit that we saw from Marcelino last season. So it's been a bit of a rocky transition. I mean, they, they started the season fantastically well, um, especially with that 5-0 win against Celta, where all of their sun, summer signings just kind of clicked at once. Um, Sansone in particular was excellent that game. But then they... They've slowly and steadily kind of come off the rails a little bit. You've got Bakambu, who doesn't really look like himself. Well, he looked like himself last night, but he's struggled a lot this season after coming back from injury. Obviously, they sold Pato in January. Then you've got Soldado, who isn't really the most reliable striker in terms of um, how regularly he can play. And then Adrian Lopez on on loan from Porto. So there's a bit of an issue of where the goals are going to come from. The key thing is, is that they're taking their chances. The few chances they get, they're taking them as soon as they get them, and they are really, really clinical in front of goal. I think last night they had two shots on target, both of which came fairly late on in the game, and obviously one of those was the winning goal. They're kind of a team that, as an Atleti fan, we really dread facing now at home. Um, back in 2015, Vieto scored. At almost the exact same time mm-hmm. as Bakambu, uh, Sansone, sorry, last night did. Was it Sansone or was it Soriano? No, Soriano, 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 Soriano got the goal. And then it, the games just always seem to, to repeat themselves. So Atleti control possession, control the ball, really struggle to break down what is a solid defensive unit. And then a lightning quick VRL counter-attack or an individual mistake leads to them scoring. And it's frustrating because there was a kind of sad inevitability of it happening last night. Once it reached a certain stage in the second half, you could just see that Atleti weren't going to come away with the points, which was quite sad to see. Yeah, Villarreal's goalkeeper had an absolute blinder. I mean, if you thought Oblak was a decent keeper, this lad, I mean, he came in as a replacement. He's the reserve goalkeeper. Boy, JC was a cracking, absolutely cracking saves. Well, yeah, he made, I think it was nine saves overall in, in, over the course of the game. And then also, uh, he was the one that uh, played the first pass for the VRL's goal. So actually, he was really instrumental last night and probably my man of the match. Yeah, I was particularly happy. Not so much. Look, I like Atleti. I think Atleti are a, a beautiful team to watch. Not in the aesthetically 
cosmetically pleasing side of things, but I thought Villarreal basically done to Atleti what Atleti have been doing, doing to teams for years. So hats off to Villarreal and hats off to Sevilla, who can now draw level tomorrow by beating Celta Vigo. So coming after you, Jack. Nah, third place is all right. Nah, 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 Well, let's hit the classical. Dan, we've seen over the years, classicals never, never disappoint. Very rarely do you have a bad, actually what I'm saying, very rarely, it's incredibly rare you even have a drab classical. This particular classical has been talked about as one of the best classical classicals in modern times it was some game wasn't it not half mate and for me it's the best I've seen in a long time not just classical but football match just how end to end it were the quality on display from both teams you look at Real Madrid you look at Barcelona you're, you're automatically drawn to the attacking players but I thought the defences played well in spells I thought the keepers were phenomenal both pulling off Saves which we didn't expect them to make. I think back to the chance where I think it was Benzema where Stegen saved it with his foot. Some of the one on ones what Kaylan Navas made. It had everything. And it, I'm so happy that we had a game of this quality because at times I think the classical, uh, the classical has upset a few people who aren't necessarily La Liga fans. They may only watch this game. Yeah, so they may watch two Spanish games a season. At the Bernabeu and at Camp Nou. And when it was Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola, the antics, what some of the players did from both teams, did lay it down, let, let the clash down. And I think it it turned a few people off from it. But yes, not yesterday, sorry, uh, of the weekend on Sunday, just an unbelievable game where we got to see some fantastic players, some really good goals, really good saves, and just brilliant football. Just a great advertisement for Spanish football. And I must say, Gav, credit to you because you're a very optimistic guy and you said that Barca would win and I didn't agree with you. Yeah, I didn't agree with you. You said that they'd go there and score three goals, which they did. So, not to try and big you up, but... No, 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 don't mind. Keep going. (laughs) No, that's it, mate, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Mike, when we... Taking from a Barcelona fan's perspective... The tension throughout the week, if, if look, I've seen a brilliant tweet on Twitter during the week and it was basically made out, if you're a neutral, you can enjoy the game. If you're a fan of either club, it's impossible to enjoy the game. Even the bill, you can't enjoy it. You you can't be confident and it's not nerves. It's Nobody knows what it is. It's just, it's a clash of the two emotions coming together up until the, you know, the, the, the match kicks off. Now, about half an hour before the match kicked off, the team I seen the both team sheets. I seen Barcelona's team sheet, and I was, you know, was happy enough with what Lucio had done. I was happy to see uh, Paco Alcácer starting, but I was also actually very happy to see Bale starting instead of Isco. I mean, from a Real Madrid fan point of view, were you? Well, for me, like when I seen uh, Gareth Bale on the team sheet, I I, I just knew that that. It just wasn't right. Something was going to happen. Something was going to go wrong for him. And he's, he's been getting a, a lot of stick recently. And I knew that game was not going to help him at all. But I thought with, with Neymar not playing, I thought he'd have less to do. Defensively, anyway. But 
the only thing he did in the game was defensively. He really added nothing to the attack. His crosses were poor. His passing was poor. Um, and then he went off injured. So that was just an absolute disaster for him. And a really bad decision, to be honest, on Zidane's part. Obviously, he did start. Were you disappointed to see Isco, who, in my opinion, even tonight, as the game we're recording this, Real Madrid are 6-2 up on Depot. Isco has just been, for me, possibly Real Madrid's best player. Even though he hasn't played many minutes, he's an absolute fantastic player to watch. And we've seen him the week previously. we actually seen him when he came on against Bayern Munich. He's just... It beggars belief why he's he's not getting a starting place. I definitely would have put him in place of Bale. I think it's kind of between him and Asensio for um Asensio, for Bale's another. spot. Asensio is, an, is a, the talent you have on that that squad is just sickening. Without and and both of them actually watching the game here tonight. Isco to me has been man of the match tonight, but mm-hmm. uh, Asensio has been very good as well in this game against Depor as well. I just think Isco needs to play more. I think. You know, whether it's Luka Modric or Tony Cruz, who's rotated more often, or I'm not sure. But for me, Modric and Cruz and Casemiro, it's not functioning offensively well enough, you know, this season. I don't think it has anyway. I think they're a bit better defensively, a small bit better defensively. But offensively, I don't think Real Madrid have, like in terms of fluid football and like even watching the team here, the B team here played tonight against Depor. Some they're better in attack. That's so some B team chief. <laughs> yeah, they're better in attack than than Real Madrid starting eleven. They're just not very good defensively. <laughs> yeah. But they're much better in attack. Yeah, they've, they've sort of a real direct approach about it. Where they're not they're not worrying about who they have to pass to. As soon as they they're just passing to the nearest white shorts, whether it be Morata, Isco. Asensio, they're just moving the ball around. They're not con. They appear not to be constantly looking out for. Ronaldo. Which I thought in the Classico, I thought Asensio got in. He got in behind the Barca defence. He was one-on-one with Ter Stegen. Yes. And he passed the ball and I thought he should have shot. Without a doubt, I thought he should have shot on goal. And he, he, I, I could see it in him, the pressure he felt from who was standing beside him to pass mm-hmm. that ball and lay it off. You know, I, I'm not sure, but I, th- I think even in terms of Morata, I mean, watching Morata here tonight as well, I, I just don't know. I think if Zidane wants to take a step forward as a coach, he needs to design the team the way he wants it, or you know, because at the moment I just don't think it's I don't think it's functioned well. All season. it's been functional, but it hasn't been fluid. It hasn't been good football this season for Madrid. And Jack, I can actually remember myself and you. Well, we're in a football group on Twitter. I I think we both actually put it out at the same time when Asensio was true on goal at that particular moment. We both said, "Shoot, why didn't you shoot?" Because he pass, he he shoots. I. The angle, okay, the angle wasn't great, but if he shoots, you'd have to believe in his ability that he's going to score. But the pass was just it was just the wrong thing to do, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, no matter who who you have in the box, uh, whether it was Messi, whether it was Ronaldo, whether it was Bale, Neymar, absolutely whoever, he should have he should have taken it on himself. I mean, we saw just a few days earlier against Bayern that he, he can finish and he can strike the ball well when he when obviously he scored against Neuer. And I I'm still actually really surprised that he didn't take it on himself because I would have thought he would have been high on confidence and kind of riding the wave and would have just kind of allowed himself to to become overawed with with the occasion. But instead he he ended up letting the pressure get to him 
and played a pretty poor pass to Ronaldo. Um, it was but is of... but but is a presser, um, Jack? Is a presser, or is is there you know voices being spoken from off the pitch? Basically, what you have to do. I mean, if you get the ball, pass Ronaldo, pass Ronaldo, pass Ronaldo. Uh, like personally, I that's what I see. I see that. I see that. Once Ronaldo's on that pitch, I've seen it. You've seen it with Benzema. Benzema's been doing it for years, and he's been doing it brilliantly for for years. I'll have nobody say a bad thing about Benzema. Benzema is perfect for Ronaldo because Benzema will easily give up a chance to hand it to Ronaldo. Is it a case with the likes of Asensio, Morata, the younger players, the younger, hungrier players, in my opinion? Is the pressure to feed the ball to? the likes of the senior players, more more intense than just going for it? Or can they go for it at a club like Real Madrid? Like, this is nothing. Real Madrid, biggest club in the world, biggest club of the century, biggest club ever. Is the... It, like, we're only... Spec, I'm only speculating. I'm only asking a question and I'm only expecting you to speculate on what I'm asking you. But can you see where I'm coming from? Are they, are they being held back being at Real Madrid? It, it depends how you look at it, because, put it this way, obviously Ronaldo is, is a fabulously talented and gifted footballer, and the the things that he has both done and achieved throughout his career is incredible. So I think it's only natural that when he's on the pitch, players will luck to give him the ball as much as possible, in the same sense that when Messi is on the pitch, quite often we've seen Barcelona kind of pass to him at times when it was unnecessary. Not necessarily when it was a one-on-one with the goalkeeper, but more often when Messi was in a deeper position, just because it's Messi. And I think the same thing happens with Ronaldo, where his reputation, his stature, everything is achieved, and also everything he's capable of achieving results in players feeling like... Not necessarily that they have... Well, yeah, I mean... They, I think they feel like, not necessarily that they have to pass to him, but they feel obliged to to play a role in him scoring, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Dan, one particular moment in the game, which for a lot of Barcelona fans, we've um, joked about, we've seen the memes, we've seen the tweets, we've seen the, the mini gifs, whatever you want to call them, is Marcelo basically... Smashing Messi's face with his elbow. Now, personally, when I first seen the first, I don't think Marcelo's that type of player. I really don't. A lot of people are saying it was intentional. I really don't think it was intentional. It did hurt him. But Messi being Messi, he got up. Bloodied, but he got up. But he got up and... Jesus Christ, shit happened after that, didn't it? He did what we all know he can do. And there's been a lot of, a lot of negative press about him due to not scoring or getting assist against Juventus in in both legs. And it just seemed that it were laying all that frustration out. Because Barcelona players were frustrated against Juventus. They came up against a fucking wall. And they couldn't uh, get look, through. Look, well, when they did get through, they were behind them. Go on, Gav. Well, let's agree. This Juventus back line is arguably the best back line we've seen in the last decade. Yeah. If they if they don't want you to score, you ain't fucking scoring. It doesn't matter whether you have fucking ten messies. 
Bonucci and Chiellini and Buffon, those boys at the back, I'm sorry, I nobody can make the argument against them. If they want to keep you out, you're out. So, I get what you're trying to say, Dan, but we also have to give credit to who they were up against. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally, mate. And I'm, try, I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But I just think that Messi's performance, you could see that there were some... Well, I felt it looked frustrating, but in the he used it in a positive way. He used it to push him that step further, which Barca needed. Barca needed Messi to do what he did. Because we know he can do it. He's done it on multiple occasions, and multiple occasions against Real Madrid. And we've not seen it for a while against Real Madrid in terms of a goal scoring. Six games without a goal in, in the Classico, and then it just does what he does, and then does that. The first goal, how quickly... He moved it around his feet and we gave Danny Carvajal one of the most improved defenders in in Europe in the last couple of seasons for me. It, it gave him no chance whatsoever. And it gave Kaelin Avas no chance with a shot. And then the second goal is his awareness when everybody runs into the box, when Andre Gomez has got it, everyone runs into the box, messages others to the middle of the middle of the D and just waits for the ball and perfect just absolutely perfect perfect performance from the Argentine yeah we talked before Dan where Carvajal is fantastic absolutely fantastic he's got a lot of criticism over that particular goal where a lot of what we've seen Real Madrid fans he should have done this he should have done that sorry when Messi is on that type of run it doesn't matter who you are that's all you can do is flick a foot out once he wants to move past you, it's going to move past you. He buried Kyla Navas. It was one of the best classical goals you will see in many a year. It's, I think it's fair to say it's, it's it's been amazing. But personally for me, watching the game, I thought Real Madrid had started by far easily the better team. They looked, they looked up for it. Barcelona looked lost until Casemiro had taken Messi down. Once he's taken Messi down, I, I just, you know, he's on a yellow card. He, he's he been given the role to stop Messi, but he's on a fucking yellow card. I mean, Mike, again, looking at Casemiro, Casemiro is a fantastic footballer, fantastic footballer. But he gets a yellow card and he's ma- he's trying to man-mark Messi. I mean, that's just... It, it it won't be it won't be written about it won't be the spotlight won't be put on it but that's already taken away half of Casemiro's attributes by doing that I mean he just cannot be Casemiro can he he can't be but I mean he should really just go and do the lottery because he's the luckiest uh, defensive midfielder I've ever seen the way he's able to stay in the refs good books and stay on that pitch is is beyond me really but um. It's a smile. It's the way you smile. <laughs> it's, it must be that smile. But uh, no, I mean Casemiro. Like he's there to do a job. He does it. Um, when Real Madrid don't play Casemiro, you see how vulnerable they are, how weak they are. I think he's actually made a couple of Real Madrid defenders a little bit lazier, um, because he covers them all the time. That they end up now when he's not there, they they continue to just not track back or not follow runs and. Uh, and he's really probably the only midfielder Real Madrid have that actually tackles. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them just try intercept and block passing lanes rather than actually 
getting close and putting a tackle in. He's, he's the only one who kind of really gets in and recovers the ball. Um, probably second to him would be Modric. And that's not saying a lot when Modric is your second most defensive um, midfielder. But um, I think if Zidane had had somebody on the bench, he probably would have took him off straight away and early to get somebody else on to keep Messi out of the game. But there was nobody there. Real Madrid didn't have anybody. You know, Kovacic is, is not really that type of player. He can't no. really do that. So they just had to let Casemiro just... Obviously, he he had to stop fouling Messi. He did foul him one more time after that and there was question marks whether he should have been sent off. But other than that, he had to let him run past him. And I thought, credit to Messi, that was his intelligence to identify Casemiro and say, you know, you want to keep on me, keep banging off me, I'm going to get you booked and then I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to take the game off everyone, really, and do what I want to do. That's that's what Lionel Messi does. Well, we've seen Mike at a couple of minutes into the start of the game, um, Titi, in my opinion, again, uh, we have you on because we want to try and make it as unbiased as possible, a nice balanced debate. I've seen um, Titi give away a penalty against Ronaldo. Has Ronaldo's antics over the last fucking, what, 10 years... And you're that player, in my opinion, that's a penalty. It was a definite penalty. I mean, there's no oh, doubt easy. it was a penalty. But um, I don't know whether it's just the referee was afraid to give the call. I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether the referee just froze, just didn't want to do it because there's been so much going on this season with referees that if he had a gave it and he was wrong, and he, if, he, if, he, if he had a doubt, then you're better off not giving it. That's my opinion anyway. If he didn't see it and his um, assistant didn't tell him in his earpiece or whatever, that's a penalty, then he's probably better off just not to give it. And Jack, we, do you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll pick out a particular beautiful moment of the game, which was obviously Messi's first goal. It was sensational. It, it really was. And the fact that he was able to do, to do what he did with, with a bandage in his mouth was just a bit crazy, really. I mean, he, he made Dan's already talked about it but Carvajal who is by no means a bad fullback probably you know probably well up there with Dani Alves as the best right backs in football at the moment and he kind of just made him look like a fool really but it is messy and it's not the first time we've seen him do something like that and it's certainly not going to be the last time either because he is just a gift that keeps on giving we're going to move on to Rakitic. Again, myself and Jack and Dan were chatting in our little football group that we have on Twitter and I put out a foolish statement. Well, it wasn't foolish <laughs> because <laughs> anyone who knows me on Twitter, anyone who actually knows me, stats mean absolutely feck all to me. I don't give a shit about stats. I don't care about possession. I don't care about runs. In, I don't give a shit about that crap. I really don't. I like to watch a game of football. I like to actually visualise what I'm seeing and then make my own mind up. It's very easy to make a two-yard pass and for it to be ticked off as being a pass. For me, Rakitic didn't play well up until that left foot turned him from Rakitic into Rakitic. Dan, what a fucking goal. Absolutely brilliant. Again, it just it adds to how good the game were, the fact that we saw goals like that. And I agree with you, I don't think he had a, a great game, Gav. I don't think he's had a great season. And uh, I'm a massive fan of him. And uh, I worried when Barca lost Xavi, when when he retired, I worried for that midfield because it was, 
it worked so well. But Rakitic came in and he's, he's done a great job. But this season, and he's not being the only one. Yeah, I'm a massive Busquets fan. I think he's had his worst season in the Barcelona jersey. But Rakitic has been below par for me. And then he just puts it onto his left foot and puts it into the corner. It just felt then that, you know what, Barca are going to win this. Because you've got a player who, we've both said, not playing great, but has, has given us a moment of magic with a, an umming missile strike. It was destined to go in as soon as it left his foot. And yeah, I've, I saw a few comments about, I think it was Modric and Krul who weren't closing him down or maybe one of them turned his back uh, to the shot. But let's try and not try and look for a fault. Let's give credit to someone who's putting an absolute beauty and biggest game there is. He ain't, st- he ain't stopping that, Chief. No, no no chance at all. And it had to be something special to beat Navas with how we were playing. And all three of Barca's goals, he couldn't do anything about them because they were it that well. They needed it because if not, he was saving everything else. And look, OK, we're talking about the goals that have been scored. We had Casemiro's goal, Messi's goal, Rockets' goal. Jack, I'm going to come back to you, Chief. We'd 20 outfield players who played an absolute exhibition of masterclass football. It was fantastic. It had everything. Mm-hmm. Two players that have been forgotten about. Now, OK, we've seen a couple of stats come in. Again, I'm not mad about the stats, but when I see certain stats, I get a bit wet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, Kayla Navas and the Stegen were outstanding in the game. I mean, you could not choose between the two of them. There was no way Navas is saving any of those goals. And to be fair, there was no way Ter Stegen is saving any of those goals. They, they weren't at fault for any of them at all. But boy, Christ, they kept the score down. Yeah, they really did. And it's... It's really strange to to point out the two goalkeepers as kind of standout performers in a game that saw five goals, but that just kind of shows how end to end and frantic it was. I mean, before I go into the two keepers, um, here's another stat for you: in the 92 minutes played um, throughout the Clasico, there are 38 shots, so that's a shot every 2.4 minutes. So, as you can imagine, both keepers were pretty busy. Both keepers as well throughout the season at different points and for different reasons have come under criticism from, from their fan bases. And yet this was the the game where both of them seemed to step up. You had Navas making huge saves to keep Madrid in the game, especially the, the two from Pique, the header, and then also the, the one-on-one. Which, the Suarez, the Suarez, the Suarez from, one as well. Yeah, yeah, incredible save. And, you know, if any of those go in, then... Obviously, it wouldn't affect the, the outcome, but it's, it's game over a lot sooner for Madrid. And then, on the other side, you have Testegen, who made 12 saves, which is the most made by a Barcelona goalkeeper since 2003-2004 season. I mean, they were they were both fantastic, and yet only one of them is going to be there next season, realistically. And, which is come on to... It is, isn't it? Well, come on to Mike. I mean, Mike... I'm watching, all of us here, we watch La Liga, we love La Liga, we love the players, we love the teams. Now, I'm a massive fan of Kyle Navas. Is, okay, he's, he, he's gone. We can, I'm only going to assume that David De Gea is coming in. But David De Gea is not going to make a damn difference in that match, is he? 
No, definitely not. Those, you know, you have to give Barcelona credit because those goals were of the highest quality. There's no goalkeeper probably in the world unless the goalkeeper is standing in the wrong place actually and gets some type of advantage over it and positioned correctly. Like, you just can't reach that. Those goals were just, they were inch perfect. Now I'm going to move on to one of my favourite players in world football. And he is a Madrista. Now, Dan and Jack, you're new to the show, Mike, so... You, you won't understand this, but Gav loves a bastard. Gav loves a prick on the pitch. And I don't think there's a better prick in world football than Sergio Ramos. I think he's fucking fantastic. But I want to ask you a question. What degree of more attempted murder was he trying to place on Messi with that tackle? Yeah, it was a it was a bad tackle. I was surprised with Ramos trying to suggest that he shouldn't have been sent off. I thought it was a typical Sergio Ramos. It was definitely a red card. If he had it connected with him, yeah, that's the thing. You know, he was if out for the rest of the season, him, probably. Yeah. I mean, you see with Zlatan Ibrahimovic at his age, like he probably he probably won't come back from an injury like that. But even Messi, like it to be out for six months, nine months, to come back to the level he's at because he's at such an extraordinary level. Um, he probably, maybe he would reach it again, but at the same time, you, you don't want to risk that somebody like that, you know, doesn't reach that level again, or because of like, a crazy tackle that Messi was in. Messi was in his own half. He wasn't even. There was no danger at all, really, to have to do that. I mean, he could have just pushed him onto the ground if that's what he wanted to do. And get a yellow, obviously. But Ramos, it's either A or B. There's no. Yeah. Sorry, when I say A or B, it's just. Black or white, there's no entertainment, <laughs> Ramos. But, I mean, from, you can imagine, Rakitic just scored, Barcelona, when I say Barcelona fans, I'll use myself, I live in a small village, the whole fucking village knew I was watching something, or I was arguing with somebody, or I was trying to fucking hurt somebody with the screams. That's what the Classico does. But I can only imagine, as a Real Madrid fan, 2-1, sorry, it was 1-all. You go down, oh, sorry, 2-1. Am I right, Jack? You're the stats, lads. Am I right? Was it 2-1? <laughs> 2-1, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. 2-1. And then, and then Ramos gets sent off. Are you not dejected, Mike, at that stage? You're not going, fuck this. Fuck them. Poxy Kool-Aid bastards. Fuck them. <laughs> um, I actually wasn't, to be honest. I... I the game was just so like the game was just so open. It was just such an amazing game that I just didn't think it even mattered at the time. I just all I wanted the game was just to restart again and just go again because it was it was just incredible, really. And I, like Ramos was sent off in the last Clasico, and you know I think Madrid were losing one 0 in that were they? That's right. Or they were drawn one one at the time. I think when he was sent off, and you know they went on to win the game with ten men. They must have believed that they could do it again because they came back two two with ten men and. They were pushing to win the game. But do you not feel... Okay, we had... Um, okay, Ramos gets sent off. Down to 10 men. Barcelona 2-1 up. Zidane makes a change. James equalises. Lovely goal. Absolutely stunning goal. Again, let's play the fans here. All you could hear in my house was me going... What am I saying? I'm making hand movements here trying to actually explain... All you can hear in my house go, for fuck's sake, I don't fucking believe these bastards. I can only <laughs> imagine in your house it was the exact opposite. It was the exact opposite, yeah. 
there was just I, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought when when it was two one, I thought we'll see how it goes. I thought Madrid were going to sit in, um, maybe even change and just sit in with that and try catch on the counter attack. But when James scored the goal, I don't even know how he scored that goal. He ran all the way from the back post to the front post by himself and just hit it into the back of the net, nearly unchallenged. Which again is just something nuts that just only happens in that game. Maybe I don't know. The goals were just, you know, some of the defending was just nuts. Uh, it was like the defenders had just, they were all just in their own heads, in their own zones, and there was just crazy stuff happening in that game that wouldn't normally happen. But you're not finding, Mike, that when you, okay, you refer to defend. When you when we talk about the Classico, when we watch the Classico, for me, the Classico brings out the very, very, very best in the attackers where it doesn't matter who's defending, this is where the glory boys step up. This is where, okay, Hamas came on. Hamas's goal, people don't realise just how good a goal he scored because it was obviously overshadowed by what happened afterwards, but that was a fucking beaut of a goal. Two that's on. what I mean, like, that's, that's yeah. what I mean, running from the back post like that. Like, it was just such a good run that, Maybe the Barca players didn't realise. Like, I mean, when you're crossing across three or four different players, each one is probably thinking at the time, he's now not my responsibility anymore. He's moved on to him. The responsibility passes over, but the, the run was just perfect. And I, again, it, it happens in it happens in about six or seven seconds. Like when you watch it on replays, you think, why didn't you do that and why didn't you do that? But it's happened so quick in real life mm-hmm. that your your decision has to be immediate. Dan. 86 minutes, two all. It's over. It's over. We're dying. We're in bits. We have to. We have to put with Madrid's Twitter exploits the next morning. What do we do? What do we do? Do you know what we do? We sit down. We pick up our cans or our bottles or our glasses or our cups of tea and just go. You know what? Fuck it. That was great. That was a great game of football. Then, then, Sergio Roberto decides. You know what? Fuck this shit. And he goes for it. He goes. He goes. Marcelo, in my opinion, should have rugby tacked him. Because if Ramos had still been on that pitch, that's exactly what Ramos would have done. He goes. He passes to Gomez. Gomez to Alba. Alba to Messi. Boom. Holy shit. I wept. I did. I wept. I did. Mine dog nearly did because I nearly landed on him when I jumped up. <laughs> I was sat on the floor at the time and I uh, I just didn't expect it. I think to be pegged back so late in the Classico earlier in the season and then deja vu, it seems, it, this time, I just thought, that's it now. Madrid are going to sit back. They're going to just see the game out like they can, but also being a threat on the counter because of the pace we've got. And I just thought, that's it. That That's it. That's the league done for me. That's... Doom and gloom, as I as I, I am to be fair. I'm quite. I do look for the. I know you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm say that. Guy. I think I've said that. We know that. <laughs> but then it just how how quickly it happened and how Bass had the ball in their corner. I think it was from a throw in and Busquets is there, PK is there, and I think and obviously Sergio Roberto is there. But just slowly pass it out. We don't rush. We don't kick it upfield. There's a lofted little chip, lovely pass, which goes over uh, Madrid player's head. And then the shackles are off. And Roberto goes on a run, which we've not seen from Roberto this season. We're used to seeing Danny Alves at right back, overlapping Messi. 
getting all the way down to the byline and then getting back when he needs to defend. And Sergio Roberto's not that type of player. He's not a defender for a start, but it was just, it was just magnificent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pepe's on the pitch. Pepe takes it takes him down as you said Ramos is on the pitch Ramos takes him down but it happened that quick I wonder if Marcelo actually had a chance to think about it you know because it's not as if his mess is running past him if his mess is running past you you do what you can to stop it Sergio Roberto no disrespect to the lad did Marcelo maybe think oh he's going to get tackled or I don't know I just I, I, I do like Marcelo for me he's, he's one of the best footballers Marcelo's fantastic yeah. For whatever reason, he didn't, he didn't take him down. But then, Pass is allowed to score. And I know Madrid only had three players at the back, but they could have intercepted the pass, the pass could have been misplaced. And it just worked perfect for Barca in that last few minutes. And it was a fitting goal to end an exceptional match. And I haven't stopped watching it. <laughs> it just keeps coming from the Twitter timeline. I just haven't stopped watching it. I'm, I'm enjoying this because... As I said, I'm doom and gloom, and I still think it's Madrid, it's, it's Madrid's title now. But... I'll keep watching that video. I'll keep watching uh, that. No, 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 Dan. What does, <laughs> what does Gav always tell you to do? <laughs> to be... That's it. <laughs> but, Mike, okay, to all, Real Madrid supporter. Now, if you, any other supporter, you're wanting your team to get it in the corner, be this, be that, Real Madrid just aren't going to do that. Barcelona aren't going to do that. So, it's... Nobody can sit back and go, well, they should have done it. They've never fucking done it. If they had done it, it would have been the first time they've done it. They don't do that. Yeah, no, it, it 90, takes me to... 90 second minute, Mike. It's it actually reminds What are you doing? <laughs> oh, look, I was absolutely... I mean, I was shocked. But it, like I said, it takes me back to that Dortmund game. Um, and Marcelo was picked on as well after that game. I think it was the 87 or the 88 minute or something like that against Dortmund in the Champions League. And Real were winning 2-1. And he tries to start dribbling past people. Um, and loses the ball and we tie that game 2-2. Then Dortmund get a very late goal. But like you said, like Real Madrid are never going to take the ball to the no. corner. It's just it's not what they're going to do. And even even in their mind at the time, I think it was the game. I don't think it was the league. Um, I think it was to win the game. You know, win the game. Not. I don't think they were even considering... You know, two-two is is good. Let's just sit back and see out the game and draw, and we've, we stand a better chance at the league. I think it was just it was all for that game, you, and you could see it in all the players on the pitch. It was just it was the classical, and it just someone had to win it. Mike, do you <clears throat> do you admire that as a Real Madrid fan? Actually, do you? I don't want to say as a Real Madrid fan. Do you admire that as a football fan? Is that not what football is about? Affect that defensive shit. It's all about scoring the most goals. The most goals win. We do it as kids. We don't think about defending as kids when we're playing football. We don't think about defending as teenagers when we're football. We just want the glory. Is that what the classical does? Is it just draws that boring? Means without a, without a doubt. I mean, for me anyway, it's all about the goals. It's all about you know winning the games. And um, I'd rather see Marcelo do what he does rather than watch him. Uh, make interceptions and tackles I mean that's I'd rather see him absolutely blitz up the wing do carousels in the, in the penalty area or whatever he's doing he's just that's what it's about for me that's why I think I'm a Real Madrid fan that's why I watch Spanish football you know because it's it is you get some of the, the, the smaller clubs who are structured in their play and they're very structured in their play but um, you always still have two or three players on each team 
who just have something else about them and they have something else in them and they express it and they're they're encouraged to express it. Like Les Palmas, for example, who are just encouraged mm-hmm. to do anything they want with that ball and, you know, they love it. They thrive on it. I know they can't do anything off the island, but when they're on the island, you know, I'm straight on Sky Sports to watch them. Absolutely. Well, look, that includes the Classico, Barcelona 3, Real Madrid 2. Mike, in your face, Chief. Can I just say one thing? Go ahead, Chief. Those believe tweets have really gotten to me <laughs> over the last few months. <laughs> Every it's time fun. it looks like Real Madrid might get a little advantage, I see this believe, believe tweet coming out and they fucking, they, they bottle it, really. They screw it up. Look, if you're going to be a football fan, yeah, look, <laughs> no, well, I'm up the opinion. If you're a football fan, we don't watch football to, to draw. We don't look watch football to try and keep the score down. We watch football to win. I've always been like that, even from a kid, even up to now. I mean, we have good old Jack there. Jack's an Atleti fan. Jack, Jack has a nervous disposition. Jack doesn't know what's going to happen to Atleti. <laughs> and then we've got good old Dan. Dan's a big man. <laughs> Dan's a big, big man. Dan would handle himself in a fight, but put him in a position where he has to decide on a win, <laughs> a draw, or a defeat. He's a, he's a wimp. <laughs> crumble, a crumble. Just believe. If you can't believe, fuck it. If you're going to lose, lose. But if you believe you're going to win and you win, there's there's no better feeling in sport than knowing you're right and then sticking to all you fucking Madristas and going, in your face, the league is ours. (laughs) (laughs) I know, the league is ours. We just watched Deportivo get slaughtered 6-2 tonight. As Mike called them, their B-side. But my God, that B-side is one spectacular team. Incredible team. Well, lads, I'm going to move on to something else because I'm going to go up to Jack because Jack's the statistician. Jack knows shit. Jack's on here because he knows more than anyone else. Jack, we see Neymar stupidly, idiotically getting sent off for tying a shoelace slash advertising, which he fucking deserves. Uh-huh. He gets a four-game ban for clapping. Now, I'm not saying Ramos was clapping the referee, but he was clapping. I mean, surely the referee was looking at that. Now, he nearly killed Messi. If he hits Messi, at the very least, amputating one of them legs, he gets one fucking game. What the hell? What is wrong with La Liga officials? I mean, do they, do they not see the difference? Who was the lad from Las Palmas that got five games for what? Putting his hand on the referee. Yeah, uh, Levaya. Yeah. See, the issue that I have with it is that the very next day you have Ibar against Athletic Bilbao and Escalante gets a, a straight red for Ibar for a less bad tackle than Ramos on Messi. And yet Escalante is given a two game ban as opposed to, to Ramos who's just given the one. And I, the, uh, I, and have, es- I have a real Escalante. Escalante just walked off and was like, "Oh, fair. he wasn't no, yeah, sarcastically he just, applauding no, yeah, he, anybody." He just accepted it. But the 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 big issue that I have is that, admittedly, I I don't know what it's like in Germany, Italy, or France, or anywhere else. But in England, if you get a straight red, it's it's three games, and I don't understand why in Spain it's still just a single game ban for a straight round. Because, okay, we haven't... Well, I mean, there isn't really a, an example that sticks out in my mind so much this season. 
but there's been some really horrible tackles and really ugly play that has resulted in red cards over the season. Well, who's, who's the lad off Alavis, um Teo Hernandez? Yeah. Am I right? Who basically cut... What's his... With Vidal, yeah. Cut his leg in half. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose that's a, that's the standout one of this season. But do you see, do you see what I mean? Like There the needs to be a difference between getting a, a, shall we say, petty red card, or, well, just a less bad red card, than nearly killing someone. <laughs> because if you don't make that differentiation, then it starts it becomes a very fine line, and you then have to start handing out these kind of extra suspensions on top of the red card for you know violent conduct or sarcastically applauding a referee when they should they should already be there in the first place with well we hit well look we take we'll, we'll throw to Mike Mike being the Madrista you're looking at the game Mike there's no way on earth that is not a red card for Sergio Ramos no it's a, it's, a, it's a definite red card I mean 100% it's a red card but if it's a red card it's a straight red straight red game. yeah one game. Yeah, I look. I don't really understand that either. I mean, I don't know why it's not a fixed penalty. Maybe it's because Madrid centre backs are injured and they need a centre back, so it's just a one match ban. <laughs> I don't know how the politics work. I mean, the politics in Spanish football is, is is nearly as crazy as what sometimes goes on on the pitch. But again, I, I don't know. I find that quite entertaining, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's entertaining to a point, but. When when rules are enforced, okay, Neymar got two ye- two yellows. He didn't get a straight red, but he ends up with a four game ban. A four yeah. game ban. I think the in Spain as well, I just, they don't like you in any way touching an assistant, touching a referee, shouting in their face or sarcastically clapping them. I mean, they just don't seem to like you in any way, undermining any official. Um, and they're quite strict on that because I've seen lots of tweets about, you know, Ancelotti and uh, Ronaldo in the past receiving three match bans as well for clapping officials. So did and other players as well, obviously, and for for other teams. So there is precedent for that. But um, I don't know. I don't think that Ramos' tackle should just be a one match ban. It should be probably a three match ban. Well, okay. Th- let's take the the nature of the tackle. Now he was given a straight red. It could have been for whatever reason. I mean, personally, when I seen him do it, it looked it looked horrific because. Obviously, we're watching it in real, t- real time. Obviously, so is the referee. But when you look back at the replays, half a second later, he is he is doing some serious damage. Again, come to you, Dan. Dan, Barcelona's part of it. We're watching it. Messi's getting chopped. Messi's getting almost dissected in half. Now, we've seen him get up. It's like, grand. He's, he, he's fine. Red card. Oh, shit. What's, I'll, why is he getting red card? Then we've seen the replay. That's why he's getting red cards. But don't worry, Ramos. It's only one game. Where's the fairness in it? I mean, Neymar stupidly, and I'll keep repeating myself, stupidly gets a yellow card for tying, advertising his fucking boots in front of the referee when all he had to do was go to the ref. Hey, ref, can you give us a couple of seconds? I want to tie my shoelace. And the ref will go, hey, nay, don't worry about it. He walk away, but he didn't. He wanted to be a petulant little prick and go, I'm going to tie my shoelace. Anyway, gets a yellow. Fair enough. Goes up, makes a stupid tackle, gets another yellow, sending off. That's a one-game ban. 
applauds the referee for sending them off. I mean, I don't know why he's applauding them for sending them off because he should have been sent off. It's a four-match ban. Where is the logic in the Liga? And the Liga this season, last season it was bad. Season before, it was bad. This season, it's been absolutely atrocious. Now, we've had Paco Politan, who's explained that these referees are not full-time. They're semi-professional slash amateurs. They still have full-time jobs. Is it now a case that, with La Liga being arguably one of the big, arguably the biggest league, the best league, whatever you want to call it, in the world, we should have full-time referees not pricking around with running through a, a rule book and just adhering to what the rule book states as opposed, as opposed to using a bit of common sense and going, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be writing this in the match report. Maybe I understand instead of just being so robotic because, again, Neymar, he deserved to be sent off. He deserved a, a game ban. He doesn't deserve four games. Ramos won fucking game. Well, First of all, mate, I'm I'm just going to isolate the Ramos situation and just say the Neymar sending off and the uh, sarcastic applauding didn't happen in the previous week. I'd be just as shocked as I am that Ramos only gets a one-match ban because he's sending off the wrong message. We know that there are, there's going to be red cards what happened due to being the last... Last man, it might be two yellow cards. It might have just been a late tackle where there's no malicious intent into it. You've not gone off to off the ground with two feet, but you picked up a red card. Fair enough, that's a one-game ban. Get on with it. But he had no control over his body in the air. He'd come off the ground, he had no control. And how anyone can say that that result, that deserves only a one-match ban, I'll never know. And then you throw in that situation that Neymar sit, had to sit out for, well, still still sitting out games it's there's just no it's I can't explain how frustrated no, I am with the officials there's no, there's, there's no logic to it is there none at all mate none at all and I had a rant a couple of weeks back about the offici- officiating in Spain and now it's how it's frustrating me I've said on record and I'll say it again this has been my favourite La Liga season in a long time just purely because of different teams some of the matches we've watched some of the football what's being played but the referees and the officials, whether it's the match officials or whether it's the the people in charge of the ref- referees, they're constantly making mistakes. And we're all human. We all make mistakes. I've made some mistakes in my life. We all have. But they're not doing anything about it or it doesn't seem the fans aren't getting told about what's what's being done. How many times is this going to happen? And people are going to start voting with the, with the feet, not going to games. We're going to start not watching as much. I want more people to watch the league. The league. I, I, I love it. I think it's a great league. It's my favourite league. But if I were quite new to La Liga and I'd turned it on and I'd seen a couple of the decisions, what we've seen this season, if I read that Ramos has only picked up a one game, but I'd be thinking, I'd tell you what, this is a bit daft, this league, isn't it? You know what I mean? I've just been, I couldn't take, how can you take it serious that someone can go in off the floor, two-footed, and only miss one game through it? It's mind-boggling, mate. It really is. And... I'm getting wound up a bit thinking about it now as I do with officiating. <laughs> but we've got some of the we've got the the best players in the world over in Spain. We're watching them week in, week out. The officiating needs to improve. And it needs to be on the level what we deserve and what the players deserve. Because 
you look at someone like Ronaldo, someone like Messi, who, who will never miss a match unless they've got to. They want to play every single minute. They are dedicated to this sport. They train their bollocks off. They work their bollocks off. And then you've got semi-pro referees. I mean, it's, it doesn't go together. Right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. No, you're right. You, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's um, it's a weird, it's a weird situation for um, the league to have such beauty being played out on the pitch, but have such an ugly bastard, you know, trying to trying to control it. It's 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 horrible. But there's one last thing I want to hit on before we go, and it's actually nothing to do with the league. Well, it kind of has something to do with the league, but. Today, Joseph Barton has been charged by the FA and he's been banned for 18 months for basically betting on himself <laughs> in a match where he's playing to score. Now, obviously, there's lawyers, solicitors, whatever out there listening to this. You know what? If you want to sue me, I don't give a bollocks. You'll get nothing out of me because I've nothing to give you. But we're going to talk about this anyway. This isn't a snowflake podcast. We say it how it is. Now, Jack, I'm going to come to you. In La Liga over the last couple of years, we have heard stories about brown envelopes being handed to players from other teams where it has been generally accepted. It's basically a case of yeah no problem you do what you do what you want to do we've 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 seen it we've heard it we've watched games where it's been fucking evident it's happened yet la liga has had this weird approach as to ignore it now as a football fan as a sports fan i absolutely adore sports i love football there's one thing i do when i sit down to watch any sport I want to believe that what I'm watching is genuine. If a team wins, they win from merit. If a team are beaten, they're beaten because the best team won. It turns my fucking stomach, makes my skin crawl to think you're watching something that's already predetermined. Again, we've had it in the league. It's um, supposedly been... Banned. What's your thoughts on what's happening today with this fucking moron? Well, I mean, there's there's a bit of a clarification I want to make on your original point, which is that in Spain, it's it's considered not necessarily okay, but it's not frowned. It's it's not frowned upon to for a team to give financial incentives for a team to perform better, not to perform worse, but to perform better. So, for example, if we were heading into the last weekend of the season, it was Madrid and Barcelona fighting for the title. Whoever lost, lost the league. And let's say, for example, Barcelona were playing Malaga. Real Madrid could go to Malaga and offer each of their players €100,000 if they beat Barcelona, thus handing Madrid the league title. That's considered to be okay. Ethically and morally, I don't think it's disgusting. Okay, but it's something that's kind of just generally accepted. The issue is when it's the reverse and when teams are being given financial incentives to lose. And we've seen a few cases in the first division, um, including uh, Real Zaragoza, which 
were supposedly being investigated, but then they've just kind of been put on the on the back burner. Nobody's really, you know, really battered an eyelid. That it's just kind of been forgotten about, moved on, because that's what happens after a certain amount of time passes. People people forget, and it just kind of all blows over until it comes around the next time. Um, there is a there is a court case ongoing with um, certain fixtures supposedly being fixed from a number of years ago, and then obviously more recently um, we've had the the match fixing issue in the lower divisions. Three four weeks ago we had the the news breaking of um, El Dense, a, a club mm-hmm. just outside of Valencia, who were who were fixing matches and. It had the involvement of Italians, Russians, and Chinese, all betting ridiculous amounts on absurd betting markets, and also players as well betting stupid amounts. And I'm not trying to justify it, but when you're when you're a, a player for a team who's low in the in the football rankings and not on a lot of money, or quite often even semi-pro, and having to to juggle a full-time job and playing football, it's kind of understandable to get sucked into to match fixing. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're in the position of Joey Barton, who is absolutely loaded and has been fortunate enough to be a Premier League footballer and also a championship footballer for for a number of years and picked up, let's say, a pretty healthy pay packet over his career. He's a multimillionaire. Exactly. And it's just pure greed to then go and attempt to to then enhance your financial situation from something that you know will eventually get found out. So that, that's my take on it. Okay, Mike, I'm going to hit you with this. Let's just say we're watching the Classical on Sunday. It's too old. We've just witnessed one of the best games of the season anywhere you will see. Anywhere. We see Sergio Roberto going on his run. Now, as a Barcelona fan, we're watching this, we're hoping, we're holding, we're screaming, we're praying, we're doing fucking everything to drive him over the line. Then you see Marcelo. Now, Marcelo could have taken him out. Let's just pretend that Marcelo could have, but didn't, for whatever reason. You're not going to know it. You're going to see the end result, 3-2 Barcelona. A year or two down the line, you find out, Marcelo done what he done. How the fuck are you going to feel? You mean if he if he bet on the game or? Yeah, it's like uh, no, uh, not so much bet. It's see, it's it's a do- look. It's a dodgy subject. But what I'm saying is, we have seen Sergio Roberto's run. Marcelo could have taken him out easily, but he didn't. Now imagine a couple of years down the line, you're reading a book, or he gets found out that he was involved in match fixing. And I'm not saying, obviously, I can guarantee you he's not involved in it. But what I'm, I'm just using it as an example. Let's just say you found out that, you know, uh, he had betted on it and he didn't tackle, even though he could, Real Madrid ended up losing the title. A couple of years down the line, you find this out. How the fuck, as a football fan, do you feel about that? Oh, I mean, you're going to be so pissed off. Like, I mean, that's just... But you're you're dead right to raise that issue because that's how serious it is like, for football clubs, you know, especially at the you know that you you could be relegated because somebody decided to just like you said not put the foot in, or you could lose a league title because somebody 
like Marcelo easily could have tripped him up. He could have just pushed him over. He was standing so close to him. He definitely could have got him if he wanted to. If it was in his mind to do it, he definitely could have done it. Um, he was that close to him. So if you found that out, you'd just be so pissed off. I mean, like, I mean, even Joey Barton, what, what, what are the outcome of some of the bets he did? What decisions did he make on the pitch to try to get those bets to actually take place? And what effect did they have? You'd have, you'd have to look over all the games that he, that he betted on and try to analyze that. What effect did it have on other teams when he was probably letting people walk past him or he could have exactly. gave a good pass and he gave a bad pass to try to stop another goal from going in or to get a draw? You know, I just don't know. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that somebody who has that much money is trying to do that. It's just crazy. It's just, it's ridiculous. And Dan, I'll hit you. And look, I know this has nothing to do with the league, but it's 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 something that, look, I've grown up watching football. I... I get a high out of it. I get a kick out of it. I go out my way to watch it. I love it. I adore it. I like sitting down. I don't give a shit who's playing. I like to pick a team and go, oh, I'm going to support Aston Villa playing against Birmingham for 90 minutes. And I want to watch it. I'll get into it. How fucked up is it that in today, today's, you know, exposure to football that there's arguably times you're sitting down to watch a game and it's almost predetermined what's going to fucking happen. Now, I'm not accusing anybody, including Joey Barton, of throwing actual games. But we're, we're now in an age where betting companies have now taken over every spot in bet. I mean, you can't even sit down to watch a fucking game in the league without hearing Bet365, Bet365 and Ray Winston, all this... body. It's there. It's everywhere. But what I, what I'm saying to you is, how fucked up would you feel as a Barnsley supporter if you found out that in a particular match, a particular incident led to your team getting beaten, or relegated, or whatever the fuck? How do you feel about that, Chief? Oh, sick, betrayed, disappointed, upset. I I don't. I don't want to picture it. I don't, you know, we've had a great, going to Basel, we've had a great season. We had an unbelievable season last season getting promoted. But it could have well been us losing in the playoff final. It could have been us losing in the Johnson's Paint Trophy final. And if something came out and the, a player had put a bet on and, oh, money people spend. I mean, my season ticket last season for uh, an adult at Oakwell cost me so £300. I've, Done about ten away matches, ten eleven away matches uh, this season. I like to have a drink when I'm at the football. So there's my money, there's my, there's my beer tokens, there's the the food, and a lot of my wage goes on football. And someone to think that someone could just do that when so many people are skinting themselves to go to watch a football or giving up time with family members to go to a football it it, it really is sickening because you you take the situation where he's it said on his website where I read earlier that he put a bet on him to score first now if you think about that you might think right he's, he's scoring first but if we break it down a little bit if if that were me and I'm, I'm playing as a central midfielder and I've put a bet on for myself to score first I'm going to naturally push forward to try and score that could mess up our team's tactics that mm-hmm. could be messing up from what the gaffers told me mm-hmm. it's, it, it might have told me to sit in front of the defence and and be a shield for the back four 
but deep down, I know I'm doing something else. And it's just, when, what, are we going to, is anything else going to come out of it? When's it going to stop? As you said, you, you can't watch a football match now without constantly getting told about certain bets. I, I, I enjoy a bet. Yeah, I'm sensible yes. with it. I'm mm-hmm. a tight ass, so that helps. I don't like to bet too much and I know where the limits are and I know when to stop mm-hmm. if, but, you hear more of Ray Winston at half-time in the football match than you did on any of his films. Because the adverts, there's that many of them. It's non-stop and... No, you're spot on, Dan. And as you said, Dan, you you know what? I love a bit. I absolutely love a flutter. I love sitting down with a little treble, throwing a few euro on. But guess what? I have absolutely no fucking influence over what happens. I'm relying on luck. It's pure luck. If it comes yeah. off, brilliant. If it doesn't, whatever. I'm not betting enough to be worried about it. But if some cunt, and I knew some cunt like Joey Barton, is actually playing this fucking cards where he's like, oh, I need help. I'm going to tell you something, Joey Barton. You don't need fucking help. You're a multi, multi-millionaire who got fucking caught. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to make out that... By playing the I need help cards. So you're basically doing Joey Barton. You're making out to the people who really need fucking help that you're in the same boat. No, you're not. You fucked up, Chief. Big time. Eight day months. You should be banned for fucking life. I'm just sorry you're 34 years of age and the end of your career is just around the corner. I, I just wish you were 24 and you'd been fucking told to fuck off. I cannot stand that shit. You watch a game of sport. This is what we live for. We we live in a mundane world where we have to, you know, we go to war. It, it, the world today is bollocks. We use sport as an outlet, but we use sport as a competitive tribal outlet that when we watch a game, we want to believe that the people we're watching, the people we're following are on their side. If you have a fucking twat, wang stain like Joey Barton, fucking up the game, and I'm sorry, do you know what? 18 months, it should have been 18 years, you cunt. And I'm sorry, it's Gav's rant of the week. So for Gav's twat of the week, to win to his twat of the week, it's Joey Barton. You're a prick. Sorry, lads. <laughs> you got that off your chest now, mate? No, I'd more, but I'm reali- I just realised it's fine. <laughs> Dave has got it on nuts. You've, <laughs> look, been, uh, lads. you've been very emotional tonight. No, it's, it's not. It's just, as look, lads, bet that type of shit in football it's it's what we live for it's what we watch football is amazing football is the greatest fucking sport outlet it's it's the greatest don't need these bastards you know tweaking it for their own financial gain when they're already multi-millionaires because they think they can and as I said Joey Barton if on the off chance you're listening to this you want to sue me fine if you want to fight me no problem chief you name the place. Anyway, on a happier note. <laughs> well, look, lads, we have to um, we have to give a bit of praise to Mike, the Madrista, came on. Took us a long time to find a Madrista over the last couple of days. I mean, every, everyone was either busy or doing something. But, Mike, thanks very much for coming on. It's 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 been a pleasure. And I'm also going to state this now before you even answer it. You're going to become a regular, aren't you? I wouldn't mind coming back again. I mean, that, that was my first time uh, nah, nah, doing you, it. So. You, you, you killed it. Yeah, I mean, look, 
absolutely. I love La Liga. I watch it all the time. So, you know, if there's ever a spot or anything like that you want somebody to come on, definitely I come on. I really enjoyed it. And I just want to say as well that the pre-classico podcast with Graham Norton was absolutely class. Graham Norton? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Graham Hunter. <laughs> His language was uh, was it even a bit worse than yours there tonight, Gav? He was class. But that's what passion is, though, isn't it? Mate? That's what football's all about. It evokes passion, and it should, be, it should be left that way. It should be just left to for you know fans. Oh look, I'm not a journalist. I don't pay it. I don't read articles. I can't give a bollocks if NBC want me to go on the show. If they want me on the show, they're gonna have to put up with censorship. It ain't gonna happen. I'm just a fan. <laughs> Jack's a fan. Dan's a fan. We just we just talk about our own opinions. It's lovely to have you on, Mike. You'll be on again. We'd we'd like you as a regular because we get well, personally, I get a couple of messages being told that we're very biased. Very biased. But it's very hard to be unbiased when we don't have Midrist on. So, yeah, without a doubt. Even there, sorry to interrupt you there, but Sky Sports with Thierry Henry and Guillaume Balague, you know, two uh I know he's an Espanol fan, but he's he's totally pro Barcelona. Both of them are pro Barcelona, really. So I, I thought that kind of even spoils Sky Sports' show that there's no there's nobody there representing Madrid just to throw it in there, you know. Well, sorry, who? Would you, what? Sorry, what? Where did you get Mike alone? No, definitely not. <laughs> he was he was running around the studio in Barcelona, not PSG out. So I mean, <laughs> look, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. But it was very much, Mike. Where can you be found on Twitter? Mike Curly 10 at Michael Curly, Mike Curly 10, La Liga Ireland. Jack, Dan, my apologies for, um, what would you say, getting get, getting emotional. But I just thought, you know what, fuck that prick. I cannot stand that bastard. It's so okay, mate. Get another my, beer. All sorted. <laughs> my apologies. Well, lads, look, that was a, a roundup of La Liga. We will be back next Monday and hopefully we'll be back next Monday with another podcast and hopefully Mike will join us until then good luck good luck